This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, June 6, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. With the advocacy of Kim Kardashian, one woman who by all accounts should not have been given a life sentence, will now return to her family now that she's received a commutation from the president. Molly Gill is vice president for policy at Families Against Mandatory Minimums. She comments. Who is Alice Marie Johnson? Alice Marie Johnson is a 63-year-old woman. She's a mother and... After a string of financial setbacks, she got involved with uh, selling drugs in the Memphis, Tennessee area and was ultimately caught and convicted for that and received a life without parole prison sentence, even though she had no prior criminal record. And today, Alice Marie Johnson got the wonderful news that her prison sentence has been commuted by President Donald Trump. And so she's going to be able to go home and reunite with her family. So uh, Kim Kardashian, West... Uh, was an extremely effective advocate for this woman. And um, what was her role? What did she do besides have this meeting with Donald Trump now last week? Um, what was what did she do for her? Well, I think Kim Kardashian has raised the awareness around Alice Johnson's case. She found out about Alice Johnson's situation through media, reading you know, news stories, and she tweeted about her several times. That raised the profile. Uh, and then she went in and she actually met face-to-face with the president and said, you need to let this woman out of prison. And so her, her advocacy was effective. And uh, I think some people criticize it uh, when you know celebrities go in and advocate for for pardons for people. But in this case, it worked. And there's a very grateful family on the receiving end. All right. So it's unfortunate that this is what it takes. Um, You know, presidents at the end of their tenures will on their way out the door will issue pardons. um, And some presidents will issue pardons earlier. This is the, you know, the one case that everybody looking at the facts of it um, this woman did not deserve to die in prison. So with respect to uh, the, the pardon power, is this, is this where the debate is for better or worse, where it, you, if you don't have a celebrity advocate, no one's going to care? Well, I think that's the big question with this administration. Is President Trump only going to listen to celebrity advocates? Is he only interested in in granting clemency to celebrities themselves? Um, you know, he's also used his pardon power to grant a posthumous pardon uh, to Joe Johnson, of you know, famous boxer advocated for by Sly Stallone. You know, so. I think that is one of the questions. And for years, the pardon application process has been broken. It's this heavily bureaucratic process that goes through the Justice Department, takes forever to get an answer. Uh, You know, President Obama used his clemency power more than any president in modern living uh, memory at the end of his term uh, and really sort of created his own special process of reviewing cases. you know, but it's pretty rare for a president to just completely bypass his own Justice Department and say, I'm going to grant clemency. We've seen sort of two famous instances where this has happened. One was Bill Clinton at the very end of his second term uh, when he, people just started sort of walking cases into the White House and he granted a whole bunch of pardons and commutations, some of which became very controversial. And President Trump, who's in year two of his, his administration and 
doesn't seem at all daunted to uh, grant clemency without consulting his Justice Department. Now, uh, yeah, it's worth noting that uh, Jeff Sessions, the U.S. Attorney General, is somebody who believes in significant, harsh uh, mandatory minimums, uh, among other punishments for people convicted of drug crimes. Yeah, it's probably not a real stretch to say that the attorney general probably wouldn't have looked very favorably on a clemency request from Alice Johnson or from lots of other people. His views on sentencing are very well known, and his views on the finality of sentences are very well known. Uh, He doesn't like the idea of going back and and fixing convictions later on, uh, which kind of begs the question, do you have a fox guarding the hen house over at the Justice Department? Maybe the only way you can get clemency is to go straight to the White House. And you're absolutely right. Should it be that way? Do people deserve a better, um, more transparent process? You and I have talked about this uh, on a couple of occasions in the past, and that is a commutation or a pardon is really when you're talking about sentencing, it that's the wrong end to be worried about. It's great when uh, a, a president or a governor is willing to just clear the decks and say, well, this was a mistake, but that's sort of a last-ditched attempt to right uh, what is often an injustice in sentencing. That's right. I mean, clemency should be a last-ditch effort. It should not be uh, something that you have to use in a high number of cases. It, it should be rare. It should be for those sort of bizarre and unusual circumstances where unjust results are produced. The problem in our country today is that we have many, many federal sentencing laws uh, that require mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenses, gun possession offenses, and they produce outrageously lengthy sentences. And there we've limited the right of appeal and sometimes the only way to get out is through clemency in the federal prison system so you have a lot of people like Alice Marie Johnson you have a lot of people uh, like Matthew Charles who got a 35 year prison sentence for a nonviolent drug offense and is you know has done a lot of time for that and has now had to go back because of a legal mistake to do the final 10 years of that sentence i mean he should be next on the president's list for a commutation. We give very... Who, who is who is Matthew Charles? So Matthew Charles is a man from Tennessee who uh, got a 35-year mandatory uh, sentence for his involvement in a drug offense. And he served 21 years with no disciplinary infractions at all, was a model prisoner, and really went a long way to rehabilitate himself while he was in. Uh, Due to a change in the law that they thought applied to him, he got released, and he was free for 18 months, went home to his community, got a job, started a serious romantic relationship, volunteered every weekend at the food pantry, uh, was free for 18 months, and then told, oops, we made a mistake. You have to go back to prison. You shouldn't have been released. And now he has gone back to federal prison and has 10 more years to serve Unless he gets clemency from the president. All right. So uh, this and he has developed a, a bit of an online following in terms of uh, people requesting clemency for him. Um, what was he charged with? He was charged with uh, conspiracy to traffic drugs. And uh, he was not a perfect young man. He had a, a violent past. He had done some time in state prison. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people, when he was young, he did stupid illegal things for which he paid serious consequences. And as he aged, he changed his life and he changed who he was inside prison. 
it's exactly the kind of scenario that clemency is supposed to recognize that that people can change, that people deserve second chances. There was a popular piece of legislation that passed with more than 300 votes in the U.S. House, and it's likely not to make it through the Senate. Tell us about it. The bill is called the First Step Act, and it is a prison reform bill sponsored by uh, two very different congressmen, Representative Hakeem Jeffries from New York, a Democrat, and Representative Doug Collins, a Republican from Georgia. And I think that sponsorship alone shows you that there's a lot of bipartisanship around this issue. The First Step Act does not reduce any sentences or do any sentencing reform. It uh, allows uh, for greater programming inside federal prisons so that people are more able to rehabilitate themselves. Uh, It gives prisoners some more time off for uh, good behavior and following prison rules, uh, bans the shackling of women prisoners. It's a very... uh, a full and comprehensive look at some things in the federal prison system that need improvement. So the big question now is, is it enough to pass the Senate? And the the answer so far seems to be no. Uh, You have people like Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley and Democrat Dick Durbin saying we have to include some sentencing reform if we're going to pass a criminal justice reform bill. So that's the question on the table now is, are they going to be able to reach a deal in the Senate where you can include prison and sentencing reform in the same bill. And the million-dollar question, is that a bill that's going to get the support of Attorney General Sessions and President Trump? How does something that is received such overwhelming support in the House, how does it not, you know, even go to the floor? Well, I think, you know, the Senate is just a very different body than the House. Uh, the Senate works on consensus. So one senator can say, nope, we're not doing this. And in this situation, it's not just one senator, but it's multiple senators, including the chairman of the key committee that has to look at this kind of legislation. And, you know, Senator Grassley has become a champion for sentencing reform in the last four or five years and has really come around to see that mandatory minimums in many cases do go too far. And we need to scale them back and pull them back. And he's introduced sentencing reform bills that, uh, in my opinion, are, are quite modest, but do very important reforms that are, you know, the first, second, third steps in the right direction. So I think it's up to the Senate to sort of sit down and figure out, uh, again, you know, what what can we agree on uh, that we can get some votes on this summer and hopefully get that bill to the president's desk. Now, the president had a meeting at the White House a couple weeks ago, and um, he's, you know, has said, I support prison reform. I support criminal justice reform, send me a bill and I'll sign it. So uh, I think we're just going to have to see what the next few weeks uh, bring forth in terms of what the Senate does. So uh, is the concern concern with this legislation in the Senate that it doesn't have sentencing reform in it? That's correct. Yes. So it's not a big enough bite at the apple for the Senate, or would it would either way just not have have majority support? I think that it's perceived as it doesn't have enough um, in it. So we need to add sentencing reform to it. And uh, the prison reforms generally, I would say, have been less controversial than the the sentencing reforms. I think that is true. Um, but I think that the sentencing reforms are very important to a lot of members and and not just Democratic members. Senator Mike Lee has been a champion for sentencing reform, for example. He's a Republican from Utah, cares very deeply about the issue. So I think that uh, people in the Senate on both sides of the aisle uh, recognize that 
you know, kind of like we were talking about with clemency, that, you know, there are systemic problems here that have to do with the kinds of sentences that you get in court and uh, any, you know, real serious effort to get at our criminal justice system problems needs to look at sentencing. Molly Gill is vice president for policy at Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 